today we finished our sermon series borrowed and we're talking about a fisherman's boat so i want to invite your attention to luke chapter 5 most of us have been on a commercial airplane sometime in life and here you know this when you get on an airplane you fly somewhere the safety message is never optional and they're going to tell you about safety procedures and emergency procedures if something happens on the plane really that message is important because it's a message of life or death depending on the circumstance But to be transparent with you and a little confession time, when I get on an airplane now, I get on a plane, get in my seat, I buckle the seatbelt and I sit down. And most of the time, I'm not even listening to the safety message anymore because I've heard it so many times. Um, I'm either sending a few last minute messages, I'm reading a book or some other magazine, or I'm watching people on the plane. I'm not really paying attention to what's being said. Here's the connection today in worship. You and I can log on, watch on a a computer screen or a television screen. We can sit in pews today. We can literally do the same thing. We walk in and we watch and we say, you know, I've got a few messages I need to answer over the next hour or so. I've got a busy week coming up, and so I need to plan my calendar to make sure everything is flowing well. Or you look at it and say, I've, I've heard this message before, or this message really doesn't relate to my life. How does he even know anything about my life anyway? And then we come to Luke chapter 5, and Jesus is going to be standing beside the Sea of Galilee. There's going to be a crowd of people pressing in around him. There's going to be Peter and some other fishermen who are there, but specifically Peter. And I wonder if Peter thought in that situation, because Jesus is going to talk to him about fishing. I wonder if Peter thought, what does he really know about fishing? He's a carpenter. What does he know about casting a net into the lake? Well, I want to encourage you to take notes and to pay attention because this message can change your life. He borrowed a fisherman's boat. He's going to change Peter's life. And I believe he wants to change your life and my life. But let me invite your attention. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, a fisherman's boat. The Bible says on one occasion, while the crowd was still pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and have took nothing. But at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish that their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Fishing. Most of us, uh, you've been fishing at some point in your life, and most of us have caught a fish at some point in life. Uh, Wednesday night at our church dinner, I had the opportunity to speak to two brothers, young boys. Their granddad was having dinner with them, and the granddad said these boys went fishing for the first time this week. And so I said something to the boys, did you catch any fish? And one of them said, I did catch a fish. And I said, how big was the fish? And he said, it was probably about this big here. And I said, here's what's going to happen to that story over the next number of weeks. You're going to talk to people about going fishing. They're going to ask you the size of the fish. It's going to grow. It'll be this big in two weeks. 
And as I think about fishing, I remember times I went fishing with my dad. We had some great experiences. I remember one time I was casting into the water, and the hook on the end of the, the rod and reel hooked my dad in the arm. And so instead of catching a fish, I caught his arm. That fishing experience didn't end so well. But, but most of us know what it's like to fish. Let me give you a few insights here about fishing that are going to be very important related to Luke chapter 5. Number one, you don't catch a fish on every cast. Every time you throw a line into the water, you don't always come back with a fish. But, but fishermen have this idea, hey, if I don't catch one today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, just not going to give up, I'm going to continue to fish. So you don't catch a fish on every cast. Number two, you use different, a variety of baits and strategies. And so depending on the kind of fish you want to catch, you're going to use different baits and strategies. You may use live bait, you may use artificial bait, but you're going to have a strategy in what you're trying to do and kind of fish you're trying to catch. Number three, you understand the habits of fish. Uh, Great fishermen know this. They know when fish are hungry, and great fishermen know where fish hang out at. They just have this sense, here's where we're going to catch fish. So you know the habits of fish. And then number four, you catch fish before cleaning them. And so when you look at it, you don't, you know, most of us like to consume fish. We want to eat fish. But when you look at the process of fishing, you catch fish, you clean fish, you cook fish, then you consume fish. And so as we think about these truths about fishing and we think about Luke 5, Jesus here talking to Peter about catching men, there's so many parallels to evangelism, sharing the gospel with people. For example, when we share the gospel, we don't see someone saved every single time. We may sow seeds, we may water the seeds, or under God's leadership and for his glory, we may reap a harvest, but, but we're going to share the gospel with people. As we think about this, you know, we use different baits and strategies. For example, we're going to talk to someone who's an intellectual different than somebody who may be asking certain questions. So we're going to use different strategies to reach people. How do we share the gospel and and see people come to Christ? We also know something about the habits of people. We relate with people who need a relationship to Christ. We know what's going on in their lives, what interests them, what questions they're asking. So we're engaged in an intentional relationship with people who need Christ. And then we know this. When we see people come to Christ, they don't immediately are at, at maturity at that point. There's a process of discipleship, and it's a lifelong, ongoing process. We understand those things. And so Jesus... Peter and the others around him, professional fishermen, was getting ready to move them from being a professional fisherman to fishing for people. And he borrowed this fisherman's boat, and he's going to change their lives. So on your outline, let's walk through these truths of Luke chapter 5. Number one, following Jesus requires preparation. Question I think about as I read Luke chapter 5 and Jesus calling disciples, why did he call fishermen to be his disciples? And you could come up with many answers to that, but one answer I think about, I believe he called fishermen to be his disciples because fishermen don't quit. Uh, They understand that if you're going to be a professional fisherman, there there are going to be days you're going to catch a lot of fish. There are going to be other days you may come up empty. And so you just don't quit. You persevere. And if you're going to be a follower of Jesus in life, you have got to persevere. Every day is not on the mountaintop. Some days are in the valley. So if you're going to be a learner and follower of Jesus, you have to persevere. You can't quit. You've got to stick to it. And I believe that's one of the reasons Jesus called fishermen to be his disciples. Well, in Luke chapter 5, take some notes here with this. Number one, take note of the opportunities. 
The Bible here says on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias, and he saw two boats there by the lake. Understand the context. Jesus standing on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, this massive crowd of people pressing in around him, he was teaching them. And so when you look at the life of Jesus, he was teaching, he was engaging them, he was connecting with them. They wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. This massive crowd of people pressing in to hear the word of God. Now, as we think about this, we look and we say, take note of the opportunities. What are the opportunities around you and me? What's going on in the lives of people in our day? These people wanted to hear the word of God from Jesus who was teaching. What about our day? Are are people interested in spiritual matters? What kind of questions are people asking and how do we give them good answers? I believe this in our day. I believe people are interested in spiritual matters and I believe they're asking questions that we need to be answering from the word of God and from truth. Here's what I believe. I believe there are people out there who want to know how can we have a wonderful, intimate marriage? There are people out there who are wondering how can we have a healthy, wonderful family? You know, how can I be set free from addictions I've been battling in my life? And how can I discover life's purpose? And here's what I challenge us as we take note of the opportunities. This crowd pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God. I believe in our day, people want to know truth. What does God's word say about this? So if you're going to have a great marriage, what does the Bible say? If you're going to raise a godly family, what does the Bible say? If you're going to be set free from addictions in life, what does the Bible say? And if you're going to discover the purpose of life, what does the Bible say? We need to be teaching and preaching God's word in the day in which we live. People are interested in spiritual matters. Many years ago, we traveled to Exshaw, Canada. We were interested in planting a church in that area of Canada and went up there in April and just looked around a vision trip, went back in October. And at that time, the Purpose Driven Life book was, it was very popular in North America. So we made a commitment in this Exshaw, Canada, in this city, in this area, we were going to give every household a copy of the Purpose Driven Life book. And so that morning, we went to every household in that city, and we put a copy of the book on the door. And then we were going back in the afternoon, we were going to knock on the door and ask the residents to say, this morning, we left you a gift at your door, and we just wanted to make sure you received the gift. So that morning, we put books on every doorstep in that city. And that afternoon, we came back, and so another guy and myself, we knocked on the door. There was a lady who came to the door, and she literally had the Purpose Driven Life book in her hand. And so she came to the door and I said, we left you a gift here this morning. I was going to ask you if you received it, but it's evident you've received the book. And she says, I just want to thank you for the book. And I've actually already read up to three days of what this book is talking about. And I just said to her immediately, why the urgency of reading the book? And this lady in Exshaw, Canada says, I just got back from a funeral uh, a little after lunch today. And I'm just trying to figure out the meaning and the purpose of life. What happens when someone dies? And standing there on her front porch, I shared with her from the word of God, from truth, how she could have a relationship with Jesus Christ, how he could change her life. And that day, that afternoon, Exshaw, Canada, that lady turned from her sin and trusted Jesus Christ to be her savior. People are interested in spiritual matters and they want to hear what the word of God says about the issues in life. 
Number two, obey Jesus in what seems small. Again, this crowd of people pressing in on Jesus, he didn't have room to stand. And the Bible says from there, he saw these boats by the, by the lake there. The fishermen had gone out and they were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. So Jesus is going to step into a boat on the shore, the edge of the Sea of Galilee, belonged to Simon, and he asked him to do something that seemed small, just push out a little from the land, from the shore. And Peter was going to obey him. Now, as you travel to Israel in the Holy Land, and if you travel with us at some point, you're going to see what's known as a Jesus boat. And so look at these couple of pictures here. You're going to see them. It's, as we get off the boat from the Sea of Galilee some morning, we're going to walk into this area, and you're going to see this boat that was excavated from the Sea of Galilee 2,000 years ago. And so this would have been a kind of boat that Jesus got in that belonged to Simon and to put out a little from land from the shore. And so there's a couple of pictures of the Jesus boat. But, but Simon Peter was willing to obey Jesus in what seemed rather small. I want to give you seven words here for a moment because as you and I seek to reach people, and these words aren't in the outline, but I want to give these to you. They seem small, but God uses these to change the lives of people as we share Christ and as we minister to people. Let me give you these words. One is identify. You just identify someone in your life who needs a relationship to Christ. Seems small, but who is it in my family, my workplace, my school, someone I've met in the community? Who needs a relationship with Jesus? second word is intercede that's a big word it just means to pray you pray for this person by name so if you've got a family member co-worker classmate you pray for him or her by name to come to a relationship with christ the third word is invest you invest in this relationship you want to be intentional about this relationship go to a cafe go out to lunch or dinner so you can have conversations you're investing in that person's life in the relationship Fourth word is invite. You want to invite this person to come to worship with you, come to your connect class, come to a ministry event. You're investing and you're inviting this person to come where the gospel is going to be shared, where truth is going to be presented. And then you introduce. You introduce this person to Jesus. One of the greatest things you'll ever do in your life is introduce another person to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that that person comes to faith in Christ. You introduce that person to Jesus as his or her Savior. Sixth word is the word instruct. Then you're going to begin the journey of discipling this person. You want to pour into this person, give this person truth. You're investing in his or her life, his or her spiritual growth and maturity. You're instructing, you're teaching God's word and sharing life with this person. And then word number seven is imitate. You do what Jesus did, and then you challenge the person that you've reached to make disciples of other people. Reach someone else and make disciples. Those things seem small, but you obey Jesus in what seems small in life. Look at number three is maintain a teachable spirit. And as you look at this text back in Luke chapter 5, uh, Jesus just said to him, I want you to push out a little from land. And so he sits down at that point, and he taught the people from the boat. He's still teaching the crowd, but I believe also he's teaching Peter. He has singled Peter out from this crowd. And there are times that happens to us in life. I coordinated many years ago. Dr. David Jeremiah was doing a, a one-night event in Tallahassee. And his team asked me if I'd coordinate the event in Tallahassee at the Civic Center. It was a major undertaking. We had multiple levels of volunteers and workers, a lot of moving pieces in the midst of that. The night of the event, we walk into the, to the Civic Center, 
thousands of people were going to be there, somewhere between close to 6,000 people. And when we got there that night, his, one of his leaders from Dr. Jeremiah's ministry came up and said, Dr. Jeremiah wants you to open the service tonight with some opening remarks and the lead in prayer. Now, that was somewhat intimidating because there were thousands of people there, and he had singled me out to say, we want you to greet the people and to pray and to share some words with them. And in this massive crowd, Jesus has zeroed in on Simon Peter's life. And I believe Simon Peter had a teachable spirit as he was teaching the people the word of God. I was on the driving range the other day at the golf course, and I saw a father and his young son on the golf course and on the driving range. It was a beautiful sight because the father was saying to the young son, here's how you hold the club. Here's how you aim the club. Here's how you hit the ball. And here's how you have fun. He was teaching his son how to play golf. I just pray in life, you and I never get over a teachable spirit. God, we want to learn more about you and what the word of God says. Get up every morning with the desire to be teachable and you obey God in what he's calling you to do. So as you think about this text again in Luke 5, following Jesus is going to require preparation. Number two, following Jesus demands flexibility. As you and I know in life, plans can abruptly change. As before COVID, we were doing a lot of mission trips and we would train mission teams literally to serve around the world. And we would get them in a room and do some training. We always said this, this is not a vacation. We're not promoting missional tourism. We're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. We're seeking to fulfill the Great Commission. But anytime you go on a mission trip, you always need to be fluid and flexible. Plans will change. And I'd say to them, if you're not fluid or flexible, you're going to have a miserable time on this mission trip. And as you and I think about following Jesus in life, we always need to be flexible because he could change our lives and direction of our lives at any moment that he wants to. And he literally wants control of our lives, meaning he wants your personal calendar. He wants your entertainment choices. He wants your career decisions. He wants to be the Lord of everything about your life. Surrender your life and be flexible. Wherever he leads you, you follow him. Let me give you these three truths from this text uh, about being flexible. Number one is this, expect to be stretched. As you look at this text, uh, the Bible says he got into the boat belonging to Simon, put out a little from land. He's sitting down. He's teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, he looked right at Simon, Simon Peter, and he said to him, and he said this, put out into the deep water. I mean, he's getting ready to stretch Simon Peter. Remember, they'd already been fishing at night, hadn't caught a single fish. And now he asked him again, I want you to put out into the deep water. Simon, I don't want you to be on the shore. I want you to be in the deep water. As you think about your relationship with Jesus, are you more comfortable to stay on the shore or the bank, or are you more comfortable getting into the deep water? As you faithfully follow him, there are going to be days he wants to stretch you. He's going to get you off the shore and into the deep water because he wants to grow you and your relationship to him. That's what he's doing with Peter. He is stretching him. I believe there are many churches and I believe there are many individual believers who are not producing the fruit that God desires. And here's why they are unwilling to be stretched in the Christian life. They'd rather and they're more comfortable being on the shore than in the deep water. Many churches have this idea that we practice facility-based evangelism. What that means is we unlock the doors, we turn on the lights, and we hope people will come. Well, that's not what Jesus has asked us to do. He's asked us to go to all nations. 
And so he is stretching Peter here on the shore, on the bank, in the boat, the Sea of Galilee. He is stretching him. Are you willing to be stretched? Number two, do what Jesus asked. Now, in this text, he's asked him to put out into the deep water. And then he said, let down your nets. They got to realize they'd already been fishing. They had been mending their nets. They'd been drying their nets. They had folded their nets. They had been unsuccessful. But Jesus here is stretching them. And he is saying to Peter and the crowd in the boat with him, we want you and I want you to let down the nets again for a catch. Are they going to do what Jesus asked? Now, Simon Peter, because again, he, he was quick to, to speak oftentimes. He just said, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. I mean, we have labored all night long on the Sea of Galilee. We have zero fish to show for it. And so Peter's giving excuses. Why, Lord, we've already tried this. It didn't work. How many of us are good at giving excuses when Jesus asks us to do something? He asks us to put into the deep water. He's stretching us. And we say, Lord, we've already tried that. It didn't work. Uh, Lord, we've never done it that way before around here. Lord, we don't have enough workers, enough volunteers. We don't have enough money. We could never do what you're asking us to do. Simon Peter on the front end was giving Jesus an excuse to say, I hear what you're saying, but we've already done this. It didn't work. But I love Peter's response because he'd been stretched. And he came back and he said, Master, we, we've toiled all night and took nothing. He was a teacher. He was a master. But at your word, I will let down the nets. At your word, I'll do what you're asking me to do. And as you worship with us today, I pray in your life, you'll be that obedient to be stretched. But whatever Jesus asks you to do, you'll say, Lord, because of your word, I'm going to do it. You know, Lord, I, I, I've never served in ministry, but because you asked me to, I'm going to do it. Lord, I've never taught a class before, but because you asked me to, I'm going to do it. Lord, I've never served overseas before, but because you asked me to, I'm willing to do that. Travel to nations around the world. Lord, I've never read the Bible every day of my life, but because you asked me to, I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to do that every single day of my life. Because you say so, Lord, I'm going to do it. That's the life of Peter in this context, those around him. Number three, never underestimate God's power. They pushed out a little from the land. Jesus sitting down talking, has a conversation with Peter. Peter, I want you to cast the nets. I want you to let them down. Lord, we've already done that all night. Didn't catch a single fish. Lord, because you say so, I'm going to do it. Peter and the others let down the nets. And here's what happened. And when they had done this, the Bible says they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats that they began to sink. I just encourage you, never underestimate God's power in life. Now I want to ask you, when Jesus said to him, Peter, I want you to let down the nets for a catch. He made a promise in that statement. Peter, you're going to catch fish. What does he know about fishing? He's a carpenter. Well, he's a son of God. He knows everything. Has Jesus ever made a promise to you in your life that he has not fulfilled, that he has broken? I promise you this. The Bible is filled with thousands of promises. Almighty God and the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, will never break a single promise to you and me. He is faithful to every single one of them. And I just encourage us as a church and as individuals, never underestimate the power of God. He can do beyond anything we can think, ask, or imagine. You just have to be willing to be stretched. You do what he says, and then you watch him work in amazing, life-changing ways. So you're going to have to be prepared. 
You're going to have to be flexible. And number, number three, following Jesus embraces change. Now, I realize as Baptists, we don't like that word change very much. Embracing change is difficult. It's hard. It's uncomfortable at times. I was in a restaurant the other day having lunch with somebody, and as COVID has brought a lot of changes in life, and there was someone who was seated behind me talking a little loud, wasn't trying to eavesdrop, but just heard the conversation. And the restaurant had made a number of changes, and they didn't like the changes, and they were vocal about it. Uh, Sometimes change comes, but if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, I promise you this, you're going to have to embrace change in your life. Now, as I look back at my life and I see all the Lord has done and all the things he's allowed me to do and how he's led me to obey him, I see multiple areas of my life where he's changed me. And I want to make a statement to those who are worshiping with us today this. If you're going to be a faithful follower of Jesus, you need to expect him to change your life. And I would say this, that if you're following Jesus and your life isn't changing, something is missing in your walk with him. It is impossible to follow the Son of God and Savior of the world and life stay the same. He will change you because he wants to use you. So following Jesus means you have to embrace change. Number one, realize it's all about Jesus. In this story again, they let down their nets. This large catch of fish happened. They brought their partners in. The boats were beginning to sink. And, and they, they, they were just astonished at what happened. But when Simon Peter saw it, what was his response? Did he say, look at all the fish we got? No, when he saw what Jesus had said and what Jesus did, here's Simon Peter's response. It says, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. I mean, this changed Simon Peter's life. A fisherman's boat. And Jesus changed him. Now I want to ask you, when's the last time you've been on your knees before Jesus in your life? And maybe you're on your knees and you just cried out to him to say, God, I'm broken in life. God, I've messed up in life. God, I'm desperate for you in life. When's the last time you've been on your knees before him in desperation for him? Simon Peter was on his knees before Jesus. I am a sinful man, O Lord. As you and I think about just life in general, ministry in general, Simon Peter came to realize that catch of fish wasn't about him or the other fishermen. It was all about Jesus. And church, I just want to encourage us as we think about the baptisms that we're seeing, we're thinking about attendance that's growing, giving that's growing, all that God's doing in and through our church and even our lives. Let's always make sure of this and believe and say it is all about Jesus in life and ministry. When's the last time you've been on your knees before him? And as your pastor, I just pray it's a regular practice of mine to get on my knees and my face before him because I want to live and minister and serve with the conviction, Jesus, it's all about you number two focus on what really matters as you look at this text again he's on his knees before jesus confessing i am a sinful man O lord they were just amazed at all the fish that they had caught and then jesus said to simon speaking directly to him again don't be afraid peter you have nothing to fear i'm going to take care of you and from now on you'll be catching men i'm going to change your life change your profession change everything about the direction you're going in and when they had brought their boats to land they left everything and followed him peter 
not only obeyed Christ, he influenced others around him to obey Christ as well. What really matters in life? Here's what I know. If you listen to the world, they'll tell you what matters. But if you focus on God's word and spiritual matters, here's what really matters. And I, and I say this with you with all sincerity. Again, these things are important, and we appreciate the luxury of these things. But at the end of the day, they don't really matter. Cars don't really matter. Houses don't really matter. Titles don't really matter. Degrees don't really matter. Bank accounts don't really matter. Buildings don't really matter. What matters is Jesus and following him. He'll take care of you and me. He'll provide everything we need. Not necessarily what we want, but what we need. That's what really matters. And in this text in Luke 5, Jesus called Simon and he obeyed. He changed his life. Obedience will change the direction of your life. It will change people around you. Obey Jesus in life. Focus on what really matters. One of the things I love to see is grandparents relate with grandkids. And one, a video I saw the other day was about this, this grandmother, 75 years of old age, and having a birthday, and it was a surprise visit from her grandkids. And I want you to watch this video because it, it shows the importance of relationships. Watch this video. something about a relationship between grandparents and grandkids. Here's what I know. I've, I've been in line at Publix or Kroger or somewhere else and have a grandparent there and I didn't even know this grandparent and they said, let me show you a picture of my grandson or granddaughter. And let me tell you about what he or she did. They love to talk about their grandkids and why is that again? Why do they love to talk about their grandkids? Here's why. And if you look at many grandparents, they'll literally move across the country to be near their grandkids. Why are they willing to do that? Here's what grandparents say. You say this. You're watching and in the room. Here's what you say. I'll do whatever our grandkids need because, one, I love them so much. And, two, our grandkids have changed our lives. That's a great statement. When you think about the relationship between grandparents and grandkids, we'll do anything that they need. Why? Because we love them so much and they've changed our lives. Let me ask you, based on God's word, why aren't we sharing Jesus with people? Why don't we come in a relationship with him and with other people to say, I just can't wait to tell you about Jesus. Why? I love him so much and he has changed my life. And I want to tell you about him. And for Peter, he called him to be a fisher of men. Peter... You love me with all of your heart. I've changed your life, and I want you to tell other people about me. Same is true in our lives. I grew up watching Dr. Charles Stanley early in my ministry and pastored First Baptist Atlanta, just a great preacher literally around the world. And, and I'd watched him on, on TV, and I, I literally had VHS tapes. I taped him every week. And, 
And so one particular time, Angie and I would watch it, and then we'd invite people over to the house and say, you've got to watch this sermon. And we'd sit down with them and watch this sermon. And then we had a desire to drive to Atlanta to be and, and worship one Sunday at First Baptist Church, Atlanta. So I'd call the church office, knew he was going to be there. We'd drive down for the weekend. We were going to be there on Sunday morning. we get to the first service sitting on the front row. Dr. Stanley walked in. It was just a great moment to see someone I'd watched on TV so much literally walk in. At the time, pastor set up on the platform. He was up there. He preached an incredible message, gave an invitation, and he walked out of the service before the service was over so we didn't get to meet him. Service ended. I, I saw one of the associate pastors. I said to him, hey, we're just new in ministry, just literally two months into ministry. And I've been watching Dr. Stanley on television for a long time. I'd love to meet him. And the associate pastor said, well, that's nice of you, but understand there are hundreds of people here today who would like to meet Dr. Stanley. So in all probability, you're not going to be able to do that. And that's very disappointing. And so we went to a Sunday school class. We got out of the class. The second service was still going on. We walked back in the hallway behind the sanctuary. And we said, last time Dr. Stanley came this way, maybe he'll come this way again. Service ended. No Dr. Stanley. We saw a lady that was singing in the choir. We saw her on television all the time. Struck up a conversation with her. Told her about why we were there at First Baptist. New in ministry. Would love to meet Dr. Stanley. Doesn't look like it's going to happen. And then she said these words. I'm going to tell you where he's at. And she told us, and we literally went to the the place where she said, and there Dr. Stanley was. And I literally walked up to him and shook his hand, told him again we were new in ministry, and that we just wanted to come and worship in person, just wanted to meet him and thank him for his ministry and his preaching. And then he said these words to Angie and me, what are you all doing this afternoon at 4 o'clock? And we said, we don't have any plans. He said, if you can be here at my office, I would like to meet with the two of you today at 4 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. And we were there. We went into his study. He asked us some interesting questions, gave us some interesting advice. He prayed with us, talked to us about ministry, marriage, and, and future in ministry. It was an incredible invitation. But I want to say to you today, that invitation fails in comparison to the invitation of Jesus. He is asking you and me, and he's saying this, trust me, follow me, love me. Serve me. Share me. I want to encourage you today by just coming to us or by responding to the email you see. Give your life to Jesus. Trust him. Follow him. Love him. Serve him. Share him. Let him change your life because it's all about Jesus and he is what really matters in life. So you'll come into us, email us. We would love to help you in your walk with the Lord Jesus. Took a fisherman's boat, changed his life. He wants to change your life as well. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that he's inviting us to follow him, trust him, love him, serve him, and share him. And may we be faithful to do that today, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.